Hail and welcome to A is for Agrimony, coffee-stained notes on witchcraft. I am your ghost, Margot, and it's been a busy, busy week. I've been prepping for my upcoming journey to Anahata's Purpose, where I will be spending the better part of next week taking some amazing workshops, relaxing in nature, catching up with friends, enjoying some amazing performances, and also teaching a couple workshops myself. Uh, not magic and how to create a witch's ladder and also basic protection magic, which is a team up effort with Tabitha Gemini from Backwoods Brews and Botanicals and two Geminis and a Leo. So because the event will be taking up almost the entirety of my week next week, it's time for another quarterly break. And this will be the third one this year with the last one taking place at the end of December. So basically, there will be no episode next week. I apologize for the inconvenience, but taking four breaks per year is helping me stay afloat and sane. And when I can schedule them to coincide with events that will be maximizing my brain space, all the better. So after today, we will be back on Friday, September 15th with a new regularly scheduled episode. So... Let's get on with today's topic because we are finally encountering the devil in the fool's journey through the major arcana, which is the first of our major ventures in the Fortune and Flora series. And we'll also be learning a little bit about the amazing wormwood plant as well. Let's do this. So the devil card, another rather imposing card in the tarot, much like the death card, And also like the death card, it elicits both fascination and fear, but does not actually stand for the devil, insofar as when you pull this card, there's a lesson and a warning, not the impending appearance of a devil ready to drag you to hell. That's not actually a thing here in the world of tarot, so tell your moms to relax. (laughs) Just kidding. But before we dive in, I want to zoom out a bit and talk about the three phases of the Major Arcana, because with the Devil card, we are entering the third phase. You might remember me describing these phases as that of the self or personal awareness, uh, which is the Magician through the Chariot, cards one through seven. And in these cards, we explored identity and we asked the question, who am I? Then the second phase is the collective or personal influence, which would be strength through temperance, cards 8 through 14. Here, we explored the concepts of morals and influence and asked the question, how do I want to be in this world? This is exploring a deep understanding of how our actions, choices, and even our thoughts affect others and the world around us. And now... With the devil card, we enter into the third phase, which is of the cosmic and the spiritual. Here, we start to examine and explore who we are in the scope of the universe, how we fit in, and ask the question, what is my greater purpose, and how do I open up to the universe? This is a concern with evolution and transformation on a cosmic scale, and how we grow in response to our experiences. These are bigger and broader ideas compared to the cards that came before. And we begin with the devil. The devil challenges us to consider our own destructive behaviors or indulgent choices that sometimes drive us. And the card also asks us to consider how much control we truly have over these things or anything for that matter. It symbolizes bondage and temptation 
representing a feeling of being trapped by desires, attachments, or negative habits that hold you back from your true potential. And it warns against being seduced by short-term pleasures that might lead to long-term problems. It symbolizes facing your shadow, suggesting confronting your inner fears, doubts, and unresolved issues. It's a call to acknowledge and integrate your darker aspects rather than ignoring them, denying them, and pushing them down. And it also symbolizes liberation and awareness and transcending limitations. Despite its unsettling imagery, the Devil card also offers a chance for liberation. It reminds you that you have the power to break free from self-imposed limitations and regain control over your choices and your actions. But before we go any further, let's take a look at how the card appears on the traditional depiction as seen in RWS Systems of Tarot. I like to do this before diving too far into the interpretation of the cards to highlight how much meaning we can actually glean just from looking at them. So we start off with the devil card and at the center of the card stands the devil, often depicted in the most archetypal form, that of the horned Baphomet, a half human, half goat, bat winged creature. This figure draws inspiration from various mythological and religious sources, including images of Pan, Baphomet, and the devilish tempter. The horned and winged attributes signify primal instincts, animalistic desires, and the juxtaposition of earthly and spiritual elements. The devil is usually depicted holding chains that bind two human figures, a pair you may recognize from the lover's card, actually, by their necks. These chains symbolize bondage and captivity to material desires, addictions, and negative patterns. The chained individuals are also sometimes depicted as horned themselves, or even half-human, half-beast, symbolizing the struggle between their higher rational selves and their primal instincts, or having been transformed into demon-like figures by their master. Something of note and very important, however, is that if you look closely at the chains around their necks or feet, you will see that they are very loose, showing that if they have, in fact, given themselves over to their baser instincts, they've done so by choice, not by force. The devil stands or sits on a low pedestal or block, and the occult symbol of the reversed pentagram can be found on the pedestal on their forehead, or just above their head. This pedestal represents the material world, indicating that the devil's influence is strongest in the realm of the physical and materialistic pursuits. Behind the devil and the chained figures, there are flames uh, or fires that symbolize passion, transformation, and the fiery energy of desire. This suggests that while desire can be a powerful force for change, it can also be consuming if left unchecked. And in this card, there is an overarching quality of inversion with the lover's card, as I mentioned before. In many tarot decks, the devil card is a reversed image of the lover's card. And this is a reminder that the energy of love and connection depicted in the lover's card can be distorted when taken to an extreme or when it's solely focused on material or physical pleasures. 
In essence, the devil card embodies the complex interplay between our primal urges and our higher consciousness. It seems to starkly warn against becoming enslaved by materialism, addiction, and negative behaviors, urging us to recognize our inner struggles and make conscious choices that align with our deeper values and spiritual growth. But how did we get here? We were just at temperance, learning about balance and stability, to blend opposing forces in order to bring harmony into our worlds, a soothing respite after death and rebirth. Well, as we now know, the death card symbolizes transformation, letting go, and rebirth. The fool has experienced a profound change, shedding old beliefs, attachments, and patterns. And in the temperance card, the fool encounters the angel of temperance, who teaches them that balance, harmony, and the integration of opposites. The fool learns to combine different elements of their life in a harmonious way, understanding that moderation and patience are essential for progress. And this card represents the fool's growing awareness of the need for equilibrium and self-control in their journey. So then... The transition from temperance to the devil involves a shift from finding balance and harmony to facing the challenges of materialism, desires, and ego-driven motivations. The devil card represents the entrapment of the fool's consciousness in the material world and the temptations that arise from excessive attachment to material pleasures. It's a card that exposes the shadows of the fool's psyche, revealing the darker aspects of their desires, fears, and illusions. The journey from temperance to the devil can be understood in a few steps. First, we have temptations and illusions. After experiencing a sense of balance and harmony in the temperance card, the fool may start to become more confident in their ability to navigate their journey. However, This confidence can lead to overconfidence and a sense of invulnerability, which can pave the way for temptation and illusion. Next comes attachment to material desires. As the fool continues their journey, they might find themselves becoming increasingly attached to material pleasures, ego-driven goals, and superficial desires. This attachment can blind them to the consequences of their actions and divert their focus from their spiritual path. This tends to remind me of the guru turned cult leader, uh, unfortunate but often found in spiritual communities where leadership can degrade from a trusted, safe, and well-meaning individual to one that is drunk on power and influence. This is an extreme example, but I think it helps paint the picture of how someone can go from seemingly spiritually enlightened to prisoner to impulses and desires through the power of influence. So then we have confronting the shadow self. So the devil card serves as a mirror, reflecting the fool's hidden fears, insecurities, and desires. The chains and bondage depicted in the card symbolize the self-imposed limitations that arise from succumbing to these temptations. The devil represents the darker aspects of the fool's psyche that they must confront and transcend in order to continue their journey towards self-discovery and enlightenment. And finally, we come to breaking free. While the devil card can appear ominous, it also carries a message of liberation. The chains around the figure's necks are loose, as I said, and can be removed voluntarily. 
This symbolizes the fool's power to break free from their self-imposed limitations and the materialistic trappings that hold them back. The devil card challenges the fool to acknowledge their own rule in creating their entrapment and empowers them to reclaim their agency. So to sum it up, the transition from the temperance card to the devil card in the fool's journey represents a shift from achieving balance and harmony to facing the challenges of materialism, desires, and illusions. It's a pivotal moment where the fool is confronted with their shadow self and must make a choice to either succumb to their ego-driven desires or rise above them to continue their journey towards self-awareness and enlightenment. And like I said before, you can totally have a drinking game during my episodes because I know I repeat myself a lot, but it's kind of the way I learn. So it's the only way that I know how to instruct as well, I guess. But I feel like there's a lot of different ways to explain these similar patterns. Um, and that's how I roll. Sorry. So <laughs> let's talk about some associations and correspondences, starting with numerology. In the major arcana, the devil card is the 15th card, and the number 15 holds symbolic significance in various contexts, including numerology and tarot. In numerology, the number 15 is often associated with certain qualities and meanings due to its component digits. For example, in numerology, numbers are often reduced to a single digit through addition. So 15 is 1 plus 5 equals 6. This reduction reveals that the core energy of 15 is influenced by the qualities of the number 6, which was also the number for the lover's card. Number 6 is generally associated with harmony, balance, family, home, responsibility, nurturing, and domestic concerns. It's often considered a harmonious and caring number focused on well-being of others and a sense of community. In the context of relationships, six tends to emphasize harmony and responsibility in partnerships and family dynamics. In the tarot, the number 15 is associated with the major arcana card known as the devil, as we know. And this card representing bondage, materialism, temptation, and the shadow aspects of the self are in direct opposition to the qualities of number six. So the number 15 in the context of the devil card can symbolize the challenges and conflicts that arise from the pursuit of material pleasures and unchecked desires and suggests the need to confront one's inner demons, address hidden fears, and liberate oneself from self-imposed limitations. So in both numerology and tarot, the number 15 carries themes of balance, responsibility, challenges, and confronting one's inner struggles whether it's through the harmonious qualities of the number six in numerology or the complex symbolism of the devil in the tarot. The number 15 invites reflection on the dynamics of desire, bondage, and personal growth. Some more associations with the devil card are with the zodiac sign of Capricorn and the element of Earth. Capricorn, the sea goat, is ruled by disciplined and restrained Saturn and can be hardworking, ambitious, responsible, and extremely grounded in reality, especially when it comes to making their own dreams come true. But these traits can sometimes lead them into an all-consuming pursuit of material success, too much of a good thing. And some shadow traits as a result are pessimism, an obsession with work, projects, or specific ways of doing things, and stubbornness, 
Much like in the Devil card, the Capricorn can become chained to their own ambition and desire for control. The Earth element rules over all earthly themes like nature, but also the material realm and even the avenues of abundance and money, things that are extremely tempting to us humans. But there is nothing wrong with craving material wealth so long as we can remain in control of those cravings, right? The earth element is also a grounding element that can help us see that our roots go deeper than we may think. And we may be ignoring important roots because of their darker nature being scary, as it were, in some way. So, back to the devil card in a reading, now that we've painted this picture. The devil card in a tower reading can carry a range of meanings depending on the context in the reading, the question asked the surrounding cards. It's a complex card that often points to themes related to a lot of the things that I just mentioned, bondage, materialism, desires, and the shadow aspects of the self. So here is um, a few themes that may be pointed to when the devil card comes up in a reading. The first is bondage and limitations. The central imagery of the devil card often depicts two figures bound by chains to the devil's pedestal. This, representing the idea of bondage and feeling trapped by external circumstances or one's own habits and desires, suggests that the querent, or the person seeking an answer in the reading, might be held back by unhealthy attachments, addictions, or patterns that are preventing them from moving forward in their life. Second uh, could be materialism and temptation. The devil card can signify an excessive focus on material wealth, status, or pleasures. It warns against being consumed by the pursuit of physical desires and possessions to the point of neglecting one's spiritual or emotional well-being. It could suggest that the querent is being tempted by short-term gratification and needs to reevaluate their priorities. Another is shadow aspects and unconscious patterns. The devil card can symbolize the shadow aspects of the self. These are hidden fears, desires, and negative patterns that reside in the unconscious mind. It's a call to confront these darker aspects, acknowledge them, and work towards integrating them into one's conscious awareness. This card might indicate that the querent needs to address their unresolved issues or past traumas that are affecting their current situation. Uh, In summation, it's a call for some shadow work. Another theme is self-imposed restrictions. The chains on the figure's necks are often very loose, as I said, suggesting that the bondage depicted is completely self-imposed and signifying that the querent might be voluntarily restricting themselves due to limiting beliefs or fears. The devil card prompts the querent to examine the ways they might be sabotaging their own progress and to consider breaking free of these self-imposed limitations. Another theme is temptation and choices. The devil is often associated with temptation, as we know, and in a reading, this card could suggest that the querent is facing a choice between immediate pleasure and long-term well-being. It urges them to be mindful of their decisions and to consider the consequences of giving in to their desires. And I can't help being reminded that the lover's card is very much about choices also, and these cards are very related to each other, if not fully inverted from one another. Another theme is liberation and awakening. 
while the devil card has dark and ominous elements, it also holds a message of liberation, freedom, and awakening. The figures can remove their chains voluntarily whenever they choose, symbolizing the power to overcome the binds that hold them. And this suggests that the querent has the ability to break free from their self-imposed limitations and transform their situation. Again, I'm repeating myself, but all these themes kind of blend in and out of each other, and that's going to happen. <laughs> the card invites the querent to recognize their own agency and take responsibility for their own choices. And finally, we have personal transformation and growth. Ultimately, the devil card can be seen as a call for self-awareness and transformation. It prompts the querent to delve deep into their own psyche, confront their fears and desires, and work towards personal growth. It encourages the querent to embrace their shadow self as part of their whole identity and to strive for a more balanced and authentic life. And also, I want to point out one that I forgot to include in my notes that's just coming to me now. Sometimes the devil card is actually calling for you to indulge a bit. It's not always a warning about indulgence. Sometimes it's a call to let loose, especially if you're someone who does not allow yourself a little indulgence here and there. Perhaps you are that Capricorn type and you are a little obsessed with work and what's necessary is the opposite, which can just be fun and a little bit of indulgence. If whether that's laying on the couch and Netflixing all day or going out for drinks with your friends or just being completely frivolous and partying it up for once, sometimes it's a message that is eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow we may die. Not always, but sometimes. So in a reading, the devil's card interpretation will be influenced, you know, like I said, by its position, the surrounding cards, and the specific question asked. It's important to approach this card with an open mind and a willingness to explore the deeper layers of the situation at hand. Remember, the devil is in the details. I couldn't help myself. Okay, so now let's talk about Wormwood. I've been working with Wormwood quite a bit lately, actually, and my decision to include it here with the Devil was much more intuitive than practical. Because while the Devil card is ruled by Capricorn, Saturn, and the Earth element, Wormwood is actually ruled by Mars, Pluto, the Moon, and the Fire element. So hopefully the connection will start to make sense as we go along, because sometimes it's not so much about corresponding qualities, but the solution that one offers to the other. So wormwood, or Artemisia absinthium, is a bitter herb that has a long history of medicinal use, particularly in traditional herbal medicine. It's known for its strong and distinctive aroma, as well as its bitter taste. While native to Europe, it grows readily across various climates, including parts of Asia, Africa, South America, and the United States. And it has a velvety white or greenish silver stems, yellow-green leaves, and bulbous flowers that are bright or pale yellow. All parts of the plant have been used traditionally in medicinal practices and a variety of other purposes throughout history, and it continues to have some limited medicinal uses today. However, it's important to note that the herb contains compounds that can be toxic in large amounts, so its use should be approached with caution and under the guidance of a qualified healthcare professional. So here are some historical medicinal uses of wormwood. A digestive aid. 
Wormwood has often been used to stimulate digestion and alleviate digestive issues such as bloating, indigestion, a loss of appetite, because its bitter compounds were believed to stimulate the production of digestive juices and enzymes. I really did not like saying digestive juices. <sighs> Another is parasite treatment. Wormwood has a long history of being used as a natural remedy for intestinal parasites and worms because its compounds, particularly thujone, were thought to have anti-parasitic properties. In traditional medicine, wormwood was also used to reduce fever and manage febrile conditions. And finally, wormwood was sometimes used to alleviate anxiety, depression, and nervousness. However, its psychoactive compound thujone can also have neurotoxic effects, so caution uh, probably should have been advised <laughs> back in the day. As for modern medicinal uses, wormwood is less commonly used in modern herbal medicine due to its concerns about its potential toxicity. However, it still has some limited applications, which include digestive health. Again, today wormwood is still sometimes used in herbal formulas for digestive support, particularly for individuals with sluggish digestion or poor appetite, kind of in the same way that bitters work. It's often combined with other herbs to create balanced formulas. Uh, topical use. In some cases, wormwood extracts or essential oils are used topically for their potential antimicrobial properties, and they may appear in herbal salves or ointments. And of course, traditional spirits and liquors, as wormwood is an essential ingredient in the production of absinthe a highly alcoholic spirit with a long, compelling history. <laughs> the use of wormwood in absinthe production is highly regulated due to concerns about thujone content, however. And about thujone. The toxic compound found in wormwood, thujone, can be problematic when taken in high doses. Excessive consumption or use of wormwood can lead to adverse effects such as convulsions, kidney damage, and other neurological symptoms. Pregnant and breastfeeding individuals should avoid wormwood due to its potential toxicity. And as with any herbal remedy, it's crucial to consult a qualified healthcare professional before using wormwood for medicinal purposes. If you're interested in incorporating wormwood into your health regimen, it's best to work with a trained herbalist or healthcare professional who can guide you on safe and appropriate usage. Now, Let's talk about the witchiness of it all. Wormwood, or Artemisia absinthium, as I said before, is named for the Greek goddess Artemis, the goddess of hunting and childbirth, and belongs to the family of Compositae, a group consisting of 180 species, and has a rich history of use in various witchcraft and folk practices, often due to its potent and mystical associations. It has come up in various bits and pieces of folklore and even in religious texts. According to Christian folklore, wormwood sprang up in the trail of the serpent when it left the Garden of Eden. In the Book of Revelation, a star named Wormwood is said to plunge to earth, turning one-third of the seas bitter. And in Slavic folklore, carrying a sprig of wormwood repels Rusalki, which is a malicious water spirit. It has been regarded as a sacred herb with both protective and metaphysical qualities. So here are some of the different ways wormwood has been used in witchcraft and folk practices throughout history and even today. 
First is protection and banishing. Wormwood has been employed for its protective properties in various forms. It's been used to create sachets, amulets, charms to ward off negative energies, spirits, and malevolent influences. And burning wormwood as an incense or placing it around the home is believed to create a protective barrier and repel unwanted energies. Another is divination and psychic enhancements. With its ability to enhance psychic abilities, clairvoyance, and divinatory practices, wormwood is sometimes incorporated into rituals or potions to help open channels of communication with the spiritual realm, aid in scrying and tarot readings, and other forms of divination. Another is dream magic and lucid dreaming. In some traditions, wormwood has been associated with dreams and altered states of consciousness. It's believed that placing wormwood under the pillow or using it as a component in dream pillows can enhance dream recall, induce vivid dreams, and even promote lucid dreaming. Astral travel and spirit work. It's thought that the herb can help practitioners achieve altered states of consciousness, making it easier to connect with spirit guides, ancestors, and other spiritual entities. Ritual cleansing and purification. Wormwood has been used in smoke cleansing rituals to purify spaces, objects, and individuals. Its strong aromatic scent was believed to drive away negativity and purify the environment for magical or ritual work also anointing and spell work. Some wormwood-infused oils or tinctures have been used for anointing candles and tools or the body during spell work and rituals. Its associations with protection and banishing have made it useful in spellcasting that involves removal of obstacles, negative energies, or unwanted influences. Sabbats and rituals. Due to its strong presence during the beginning of summer, wormwood has been used in various summer solstice celebrations, and it's been incorporated into rituals that honor the changing of the seasons, connecting with nature, and seeking guidance from the spiritual realm. And there's also caution and ethics. Again, it's always important to note that wormwood contains thujone. Thujone. You little thujone rascal, a compound that can be toxic in high doses. When using wormwood in witchcraft or folk practices, practitioners should exercise caution and moderation. Very important theme today is moderation. Additionally, ethical considerations should be taken into account, including the sustainability of wild harvesting and respecting the ecosystems where wormwood grows. And another very important quality of wormwood, and particularly how I've been working with it lately, comes to me from the Magical Botanical Oracle, Plants from the Witch's Garden by Maxine Miller and Christopher Penzak. If you're an A's for Agrimony Patreon member, you recall that I use this oracle deck when I'm not mixing it up for seasonal changes, along with tarot to provide weekly collective readings. And the magic and medicine of wormwood has really shown up for me lately. So I want to read about Wormwood directly from the guidebook. Magical Meaning Wormwood is one of the most fiery bitter herbs in the Artemisia genus, linked by name to the sphere of the moon, but in most forms of magic and medicine considered an herb of Mars. Its nature is to warm and protect. 
its bitterness sets a boundary, and while it can be strewn about to prevent vermin and pests in small amounts consumed to kill off intestinal worms, given its name, magically it expels parasitical entities and harmful energies. In charms and talismans, it's used for protection in general, but specifically against biting and stinging creatures such as snakes. Paradoxically, it can be mixed with its sister, mugwort, in an incense to help call the good and helpful spirits, while mugwort helps you perceive these spirits. The wormwood in the blend prevents malicious spirits from appearing. Plant spirit medicine. The spiritual power of wormwood is very useful for dealing with obsessions helping us purify our energy and release any attachments we have from other people or other spirit entities. Wormwood adds a fire to our aura, granting purification and protection, allowing us to drop toxic habits and people. Wormwood is one of the key ingredients of the liquor absinthe, known as the Green Fairy, and is credited with granting poetic inspiration and the mysteries of life and death through the psychoactive essential oil Thujone though its attributes are a bit poetically exaggerated. And finally, divination meaning. Wormwood will appear when we need to purge and protect ourselves from toxic forces ranging from simple pests to more poisonous serpents in our life. Wormwood urges us to put more energy into our active boundaries and speak out when they are being crossed by others. With this vitality reserved for ourselves rather than the parasitical forces of our life, we have renewed connection to our inspiration, our muse, taking form here as the green fairy of the wormwood, butterfly-winged, inspiring the musician and offering the cup, yet framed with the swords of truth and the skulls of mortality and rebirth. What song are we called to compose, to sing? follow the passion and don't let anything get in your way. The affirmation is I purify myself from all toxic influences. So I hope you can see how Wormwood kind of goes, at least in my mind, pretty well with the devil, not in the way that it has similarities and shared correspondences, but in the way that it can help when you are in a situation overcome by your own obsessions or toxic habits, um, and even going as so far as to help you purge yourself of toxic influences, entities, or even people in your life. Um, so I really love that. Love me some Wormwood. And I can't recommend this deck and guidebook enough. If there's a petition out there for an expansion deck, someone please send it my way. And... One last time, as with any magical practice, it's vital to approach the use of wormwood with respect, knowledge, and a clear intention. If you're new to using herbs and magical practices, consider studying under an experienced practitioner or herbalist to learn safe and effective ways to incorporate wormwood into your craft. Okay, before I let you go, I want to share a spell and a ritual for the devil card. They are the Banished Nightmares spell and the Reveal Hidden Truth Meditation from 365 Tarot Spells, Creating the Magic of Each Day by Sasha Graham. Uh, and these will be available on the website, asforagrimony.com, so you can get them in written form and also follow a link to where you can get your hands on a copy of this amazing book for yourself. And first is the Banished Nightmare Spell. And one of the reasons why I wanted to incorporate this one is because we just had a blue super moon in Pisces, just a few days ago, uh, 
a couple days ago, actually. And man, does that make our dreams go bonkers. So if you have been suffering from nightmares lately because you are sensitive to those forces or just for any reason at all, you can really um, incorporate the devil card into some spell work to help. So I'm going to read Banished Nightmares. You will need the devil card, the lover's card, eucalyptus leaves, a half a pomegranate, and chamomile tea. This spell will help you find restorative, uninterrupted slumber, and sweeter dreams. The devil card represents fear, while the lover's card represents love. The two cards are flip sides of the same coin. Eucalyptus leaves are said to repel evil spirits and ward off sickness. Pomegranates are evocative of deep slumber as Persephone ate them and returned to the underworld. Chamomile is famous for its soothing qualities, which we just went over with temperance. <laughs> I didn't even realize there was a connection there. Woo! All right. <laughs> Sorry. Eat half a pomegranate's worth of seeds for your evening's dessert. Before going to bed, fix yourself a cup of chamomile tea. Light a candle. Sipping the tea, place the devil card before you. Enter the card in your mind's eye. Bring the core emotion of the nightmares into the card with you. Stand before the giant, seething devil. He is like the great and powerful Oz, all artifice, but nothing real. Imagine the qualities of your nightmare as a symbol, something you can hold in your hand. It may be a dark ball of fuzzy energy, a present wrapped with shiny black wrapping paper, the bloody head of a corpse. Yikes. Allow your imagination to express it. Hold your fear in your hand. Walk up and place it before the devil. Leave the fear with him. Walk backwards while chanting the incantation. Fears and tears are gone from me. Restless night, you let me be. Gone away, away from you. I sleep in waves of velvet blue. Place the lover's card over the devil card. The devil has been transformed to light and sun and peace. Meditate on the beauty and bounty of this card as you finish your tea. Scatter the eucalyptus leaves beneath your mattress. Devour a few pages of a favorite childhood book before turning off the light and falling into a deep sleep. Probably not a scary book, just as a recommendation. <laughs> All right, and now moving along to the Reveal Hidden Truths Meditation. For this, you will need, again, the Devil card and the High Priestess card. This meditation is meant to reveal a hidden truth. What covers these truths? Your own perception. To cultivate a hidden truth, you must open your perception. The devil is the trickster who veils and confuses truth and information inside his darkness. The high priestess represents all the inner truth. The key to this meditation is what happens after it is performed. Place the devil before you. Enter his dungeon realm. Molten lava reflects in the caverns behind you. Moans and cries of the cursed echo as you stand before the great beast. He waves to you and smiles. You grin with the knowledge of a shared inside joke. You know he is not the scapegoat the world has chosen to project their fears onto. You know he is the essence of power and control inside each person, including yourself. With all this power, he reaches towards you, taps you on the head, and pulls a dark veil from your head. Place the High Priestess card over the devil and watch the entire scene transform into her shadowy realm. 
The Book of Secrets on her lap contains a hidden truth that will be revealed to you, but lean closer. She has a message. You, with the eyes of a child, do not look at things as you have been taught to see them. See them as they really are. Disregard labels, names, and words. Find your eyes. Observe the world. And then you will find a profound truth. With her words comes the sound like the tinkling of chimes in the wind. Exit the card and explore your new reality. And an incantation you can use during this meditation is Devil's darkness, priestess light. Reveal truth by moon's light. Okay. And that is all that I have for you today. Please be well. Have an amazing weekend. And I will talk to you in two weeks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of A is for Agrimony, coffee-stained notes on witchcraft. If you like what you've been hearing, please drop me a review wherever you're listening. If you'd like some more content, please go to aisforagrimony.com, where you can find my blog, episode archive, spells and rituals, the living grimoire, and soon to come, the coven shop. You can follow me on Instagram at a underscore is underscore for underscore agrimony. That's an underscore in between each word over on threads under the same exact handle, or you can like my Facebook page at facebook.com slash A is for agrimony. Want to contact me? Shoot an email to reachmargo at A is for agrimony.com. And if you're interested in some exclusive bonus content, you can join the community over on Patreon at patreon.com slash A is for Agrimony, where I share early release unedited video format episodes, weekly collective card readings, monthly spells, occasional bonus content, and more to come. Again, thank you for listening, be well, and have an amazing weekend.